Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. A few weeks ago on the podcast, I suggested that you could email me with your ideas or thoughts or questions about podcast subjects, and I received a number of responses from some of you listeners, and I'm grateful for that, and I would continue to extend that, by the way. Uh, if you have a particular subject or issue you'd like for me to address, you can email me at jefforge at gs.edu, and I will put it in the queue and think about how I can respond to the subject matter that you raise. Well, I put out this call a few weeks ago, and I got a number of emails back, and I've been trying to respond to those and put different aspects of different questions into the podcast. But one of the uh, issues that I was asked to address is particularly challenging in our world today, and that is, how do you address as a ministry leader, particularly as a pastor leader, how do you address the use of social media uh, by church members or by persons in your organization Uh, And uh, particularly, how do you address it when they say things that are inflammatory, that are uh, divisive, that attack uh, individuals, or that uh, put out information that is really detrimental to your church or uh, to the organization you lead, or even maybe to the Christian movement as a whole? Well, Uh, The use of social media is uh, troublesome and problematic, and how to respond to it when it's done improperly is also uh, a thorny problem. But the use of language just more broadly has uh, degenerated in my lifetime in ways I I really could never have anticipated. You know, when I was a child, uh, I was around men, and men used a lot of profanity, and and I picked up that habit and used profanity because I wanted to prove that I was a man, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but today, uh, when I go into public settings, I'm astounded at how much profanity is used and who uses it. For example, in the community where we live, we have a community pool, and I go over there quite a lot. I enjoy swimming, and I need the exercise. But I'm usually amazed uh, at the profanity that I hear in the pool from children. And I hear them using these words in the presence of their parents and other adults. And I hear adults using them. And so it just reinforces to me that there's a coarsening of the use of language in our culture. And it's not just on social media. It's in other venues and places as well that we can recognize this. But nevertheless, it is a problem. So today, I want to talk about how to deal with uh, situations that arise in your ministry context when people have used social media to say something that's inappropriate, harmful, hurtful, or in some way uh, detrimental to either your church or your organization or to the movement or the reputation of Christ in our world. And for those of you that have always wished that I would preach a little more or teach a little more Bible on the podcast, well, this is your day. Because I am going to walk us through some passages of Scripture and help us to understand some of the perspective that I'll be taking today. Now, social media is particularly destructive for a couple of reasons. First, uh, it's destructive because of the breadth and scope of its reach. When someone tweets or puts something on Facebook or Instagram or any of these other social media platforms, it's not just one person telling another 
or it's not just someone writing a, an anonymous letter and circulating it in their Sunday school class like was done 40 years ago. No, uh, what social media does is gives everyone a broadcast platform to millions of people. So that's the first reason that it's particularly problematic. Another reason is uh, because it's permanent. Now you may say, oh, but you can delete it. Well, once it's out there, uh, it, it's really difficult to take it back. Uh, sometimes I'm amused by news stories that say that some celebrity tweeted something and then that tweet was picked up by the news media and then the tweet was, quote, taken down. Well, it may be taken down, but it's now been quoted, copied, and sent on by hundreds, if not thousands, of others, and therefore it's a permanent fixture in that person's life and in what they've communicated. And then I guess I'd add a third reason why it's particularly destructive, and that is there's no nuance. Social media specializes in the very brief message to say something that's inflammatory or controversial or edgy our vents anger in some way, and there's no nuance. There, there's no dialogue. There's no discussion. There's no facial expression. There's no body language. There's no tone of voice. None of that comes across. And so uh, it's very easy to misinterpret this kind of communication or to interpret it out of its context of the person's normal way of communicating. Let me illustrate from a different context. Every one of us has heard a pastor get up and say something that made us cringe. Every one of us has had that experience where you're sitting there in church and your pastor says something and you think, mm, I wish he hadn't said that. Or, wow, I wish he hadn't said it quite that way. Or, wow, man, I know he didn't really mean that. Now, when you hear a comment like this, you set it in the context or the backdrop of every other thing that person has ever said to you. And so you sometimes just overlook a misspoken word or a, a badly said sentence or some anger that came out in a way that was inappropriate or something like that. You just overlook it because you know the person. You've heard them speak thousands of other words. Uh, you know in a more reasonable moment what they would really say. And so you overlook this comment and you just simply move on. That's what I mean by uh, nuance and in context. You're able to understand someone in that way. But social media doesn't provide us that opportunity. The words, sometimes just a few sentences, those words are the only communication many people will ever receive from that sender. And when they see those words in their stark reality, there's no context to understand them in a broader sense. And so that makes them particularly poisonous or difficult. So Social media is uh, particularly problematic because of the scope of its reach, the permanence of its influence, and the fact that it lacks nuance or context by the communicator. So you have someone in your church who tweets something or who uh, puts something on Facebook or Instagram or some other social media platform. Uh, you have someone who goes on a website and gives comments on controversial subjects or controversial themes. This person is an elder, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a prominent member, someone that's known in your community. How do you, as a pastoral leader or a ministry leader, how do you respond? Well, I'm going to give you uh, three things to do. First, you teach people the power of spoken words and the importance of measuring what they say. First, you have a teaching responsibility. Now, this is... Uh, 
an assumption that many ministry leaders make, and that is that their followers understand the power of social media because they understand the power of spoken words. That's not necessarily understood by your followers. They've not always made that connection. You see, the Bible doesn't really have passages that speak to social media. Instead, the Bible has passages that speak to the power of spoken words. But I don't think it's an exegetical leap to make the passages in the Bible that, are, that reference spoken words applicable to today's social media postings. I don't think that's an exegetical leap at all. I think instead it is a natural application and outgrowth of what the Bible says about spoken words applied in the area of social media. So, for example, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Let's consider what the Bible says there about spoken words. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his own body. Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. For every creature, animal, or bird, reptile, or fish, is named and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. These words from James chapter 1 are powerful reminders of the power of spoken words. And most of us have preached this passage at one time or another and talked with our church about the importance of the words we use when talking to each other and about each other. Now, I think it's a perfect, leg perfectly legitimate application to take this same passage of Scripture and preach and teach people about how to manage their social media. Controlling words is challenging, but it is significant because it controls the outcome of the quality of our lives. There are three illustrations of this in the passage. First of all, in verse 3, a bit is put into the mouth of a horse, and with that bit, the entire animal can be guided. You know, the bit that goes in a horse's mouth is just three or four inches of metal that, that uh, uh, is really uh, not even a, a complicated contraption. But you get that bit in a horse's mouth and you can control a thousand pound animal just by the flick of your wrist. This passage says that a tongue is like the rudder on a ship. Now, if you've ever seen a, 
a large aircraft carrier or a large cruise ship uh, in dry dock, uh, you know how small the rudder is in comparison to the massiveness of the ship. And so when you guide that rudder, you guide the entire ship. And then the third illustration in the text is that, there is a, that, that a, the tongue is a fire, and it's like a, a fire with the capacity to ignite a forest fire. You know, uh, living in the western United States all these years, I've become quite accustomed to news every year about forest fires and how they get started. And they typically get started by one of two means, either a lightning strike, which creates a small fire, which turns into a forest fire, or a campfire or some intentional arsenic, uh, arson's action uh, creates a small flame, which then leaps into a, 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 confla a conflagration. And so the point of the illustration is a small fire can, large, can light a large fire. So there are three illustrations in this text. First, a bit in the mouth of a horse. Second, a rudder on a ship. And third, a spark or a small fire that starts a forest fire. These three illustrations uh, reveal the power of words and the power of words to control, even dictate the outcome of the quality of life. It doesn't take a lot of uh, spoken word to make a big difference in the lives of, a, of many, many people. And nothing has, could illustrate this more clearly than social media. You can put out one sentence on Twitter and start a firestorm that can cost you your job, cost you your reputation, cost you relationships. Just one sentence can be like a bit shaping your life in the wrong direction, like a rudder steering you off on a tangent you never intended, or like a fire consuming your life. And so teaching people how powerful words are by using these illustrations and making the application to social media is really uh, pretty simple in our world today. Now this passage goes on to say that, the, that controlling the tongue is extremely difficult. It says, for example, in verse 7, For every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish, is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. All of us have been to shows where animals are trained to do remarkable things. Uh, I'm past being impressed by dogs who can chase frisbees. I recently uh, went to a show where there were cats and birds and dogs and all these other kinds of things that were interacting with one another. And while I know they had all been trained through behavioral modification to perform in a sequence, it was still an amazing show. Well, that's what you can do with animals. But the tongue, the tongue is more difficult to control than a wild animal. And social media is in some ways even more difficult con to control than your words, your spoken words. And so helping people understand that controlling words is significant because it controls or dictates the quality of life that you're going to enjoy. And that doing this is very difficult is a part of helping people how to learn to manage their social media. Now, another aspect of this is helping your followers to understand that the way they manage their social media, their words, is an indication and a reflection of their spiritual growth. Now, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 4 for another passage of Scripture which speaks about this issue. In, beginning in verse 25, in the context of Christian discipleship or Christian growth or Christian sanctification, in that context, 
Paul writes some descriptive sentences of evidence of true Christianity or evidence of spiritual growth and maturity in our lives. He starts in verse 25 by saying this, Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Do not Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No rotten talk should come from your mouth, not only what is good for the building up of someone in need, in order, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear it. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, and slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now there are aspects of this passage that certainly could be connected to our words or social media posts like don't be angry or be angry and do not sin, like not grieving the spirit or being kind and compassionate. Those could be connected. But we don't even have to try to make a connection. This, this passage says specifically that there are some things about what comes out of our mouth or in this context what comes off our fingertips that really does reflect on our Christian maturity or Christian growth. Verse 25, put away lying, speak the truth. Verse 29, no rotten talk should come from your mouth. Only speak what is good for building up others who are in need and that gives grace to other people by what they hear you say. Verse 31, all bitterness, anger and wrath, insult and slander, all these are verbal things, must be removed from you. So the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that what comes out of our mouths and I think what is posted in, on social media as an expression of the words we use what comes out of our mouths, what's posted on social media, is a reflection on our Christian maturity and our Christian growth. An immature person uses these media to promote themselves, to create division, to attack others, to spread half-truths, to make outright lies seem like reality. But a maturing Christian backs up a step and says, how can I use my words and my social media posts to do all the things that are listed positively in this passage of scripture. So the way you use words is an evidence of Christian growth. And because we're saying that the, what the Bible teaches about the way we use words has a, real, a very solid application to social media, then the way you use social media is a reflection of your Christian growth, your Christian maturity, and your Christian sanctification. So teach people what the Bible says about the power of words and help them understand that social media is an expression of the words in their lives and the passages of Scripture that apply, like James 3 and Ephesians 4, to spoken words also have direct uh, application to our use of social media. Now, as a part of teaching this, you know, be proactive but also be positive. Teach your followers that they have to choose to speak the truth Choose to speak the truth in love and choose to speak words that build other people up and put that threefold test uh, on them about their social media posts. At, teach them to ask the question, 
Is this posting true? Is it a truthful statement in love? And is the truthful statement in love going to build other people up? And if the answer is yes, 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 then go ahead and hit send. But if you get a no to any one of those standards, then you simply can't send it. Now, there's one other uh, thing that I would say that you can also teach them to do besides teach them to measure is something true, true in love, and true in love that builds others up. And that is, you can also teach your followers that one of the best uses of social media is to ignore it or to be quiet on it. They don't have to comment on every single thing they see. You know, this is one of the disciplines that I practice, and that is I, I have uh, learned that I don't need to comment on everything I see on social media because if I'll ignore it uh, in a few hours or a day or so, it typically will go away. So you can learn to be quiet as one of your responses as well. So the first response you're going to make as a ministry leader on the issue of social media is teaching people how to use it more appropriately by using the Word of God and what it says about spoken words and making application of those passages of Scripture to the social media context. Preach them not just on what words we speak, but on words we write and communicate in other fashions. I don't think that's an exegetical leap. I think it's a good application of biblical truth. Now, teaching is your first responsibility. Second, your second responsibility is to confront people in appropriate ways who use social media in a destructive fashion. Now, how do you confront a person who's doing this? Well, let me tell you how not to do it. Do not confront them on social media. Because if you do, you're only going to inflame the situation, give them ammunition for response, and in a sense, model for them the opposite of what you're really asking them to do. So confronting a person who's misusing social media through social media is the least appropriate or least effective way to do, to, to do it. Now you may say, yes, but if a person posts something in public, they need to be rebuked in public. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes that is required, particularly of a leader who says something that's not true or something that's, uh, that, that's uh, inappropriate, but that's different than what we're talking about in a, social, in, a, in a church setting where people are posting things on social media about each other or about their friends or about uh, situations or even about responding to what other people have said. So I think that in those contexts, it's far better to approach the person personally. Uh, call them up and see if you can get a phone conversation with them about what they've posted. Better yet, ask them if they'll meet you for coffee or for a lunch and talk through uh, what you've seen and why it's destructive or hurtful. Uh, have a, a personal conversation with them is a, is a much better way to approach them and confront them than by doing so on social media. Now, you say, well, what about a person that has a public uh, uh, platform, like me as a seminary president? Uh, what if they post something that's inappropriate? Well, I still think you should make an effort to contact them personally, but if that's just simply not possible, you know you're never going to get to them, they're never going to respond to you, then it may be appropriate to respond. But if you do respond publicly or confront them in some way, you need to be really careful about how you do that so that your social media post doesn't do the very thing to them that, you've been, uh, that you're trying to get them to stop doing. Make sure you do it in an appropriate way using the threefold test I've already given, that it has to be true, loving, and designed to build them up. 
So first we're going to teach, but second we're going to confront. And when we confront someone who's using social media inappropriately, we're not going to confront them on social media. We're going to confront them instead uh, with a phone call, with a lunch meeting, with a personal conversation that helps them understand what they're doing, why it's destructive, and how you would encourage them to stop and to go another direction. Now I've had a bad experience or two with this along the way, and while email's not really social media, um, I've already taught you, I think, in other venues that responding to a, a, an email uh, is with the same, I would give you the same rules. When someone sends me a caustic email, you know, I don't want to email them back and inflame the situation. So I, first of all, if, if I can, I want to call them and say, hey, I received your email and I wonder if we could talk about it. But if I can't do that, then I want to respond uh, in a way that's not inflammatory and doesn't create more of a problem. Uh, and doesn't give them ammunition to continue attacking you. A few years ago, I received an email from someone that really angered me because of the things they were saying about me and about our school. And they were just—they weren't true. It was inappropriate. It was—it uh, was an attack. It was a hit piece. And so I emailed them back a pretty strongly worded uh, reply. And then this is what I got back in return: "Thank you for your reply. I will now post it on my website." as your formal response. And I thought, well, I learned my lesson right there. So whether it's email or whether it's social media, uh, be very careful that you don't respond in the same way that people are doing inappropriate communication to you or toward you or about your organization. Be sure that you respond as personally as possible to diffuse the situation when you can. So teach and confront. And now third, the third step that you can take in helping people learn to use social media appropriately is to model how you use that, how you use these media. Be a good model. Uh, be a role model of someone who posts appropriately, and who comments carefully, and who uses social media in a in a in a positive fashion, never a destructive fashion. Some of the best. Uh, teaching that you do and some of the best confronting that you do is actually through the modeling that you are using going on day by day by day by day. Now, I know that uh, especially in these days when you've got pandemic issues, social unrest issues, political issues, it is so easy to slip up and to post something uh, that really comes back to haunt you and models the opposite of what you really want your followers to see. So I would challenge you as a leader, double down on protecting yourself right now about posting something that's not appropriate. Uh, give it that 15-minute reflection time before you hit send. Uh, ask someone else to read it uh, that's non-passionate about the issue at hand and uh, get their input before you hit send. Uh, really ask yourself uh, the, the hard questions about, is this, what I'm about to send, true? Is it loving? And does it build other people up? Uh, ask yourself about that threefold test. And, and if it doesn't, then, then don't post it. And then remember what I said, one of the best things you can model about social media is just being quiet and not using it. Uh, you don't have to comment on every celebrity that says something. You don't have to respond to every tweet that comes out from every politician. Uh, you don't have to have an opinion about uh, every social justice uh, issue that takes uh, that, that's happening every single day. You're a leader, 
and you're expected to speak on these issues, but you're expected to speak uh, forthrightly and thoroughly and with some comprehensive approach and in a way that really takes into account both the facts and the emotions that are surrounding all of these issues. And so uh, it may be better for you to develop a paper or to preach a sermon or to, uh, to write an essay or something like that and have a social media post say, uh, you know, I've commented on this issue, see this link. That may be far better than just trying to put everything out on social media and find yourself modeling behavior that you really don't want other people to follow. Well, social media is uh, very challenging. It's a challenging uh, thing in ministry settings. You have people in your churches and organizations that are tweeting, uh, Instagramming, Facebooking, and they're putting out all kinds of information all the time about all kinds of issues. What can you do about it? Teach, confront, model. Those are the threefold responses you can make. Teach people what the Bible says about the power of spoken words and make the, I think, very appropriate application to social media in our generation as the expression of what the Bible is warning us about when it has all these passages about the tongue, about words, and about the power of words. And then uh, confront appropriately, not by using social media, but by personally engaging people with a phone call or a lunch meeting or a conversation that says, hey, what you're posting is not helpful. Let's talk about it. Why are you posting that? What makes you so angry about this issue? How could you address it in a healthier way? Do you understand what you're doing and the impact it's having in the lives of others and the fallout that's being experienced in our ministry organization, in our community? See if you can help a person to understand better in that kind of confrontation how to move forward. And then model so that your social media accounts are able to be emulated, able to be followed, so that people could look at you and say, that's a person who uses social media appropriately. Words are powerful. The old children's saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a lie. Sticks and stones are painful, but words are just as painful, and particularly when they're used in destructive ways through social media in our ministry context. Words are powerful. Thirteen letters, four words. I love you, honey. Thirteen letters, four words. I want a divorce. Same number of letters, same number of words powerfully different meanings. Words matter. They're powerful. And I hope that this podcast will give you some guidance and some motivation as you try to help people in your ministry context use words more effectively, particularly as they post those words on social media. You can do this. Take on the challenge as you lead on.